You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of John, chapter 3, starting at verse 16 to 36. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Aenon near Salem, because there was plenty of water, and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and now it is complete. He must come greater, I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth, and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. But no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. The text for this morning sermon is Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Are all men then saved by Christ just as they perish through Adam? No. Only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others but also to me, 
God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith the Holy Spirit works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe a holy Catholic Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Lord's Day 6, the Heidelberg Catechism positively identified our Lord Jesus Christ as the perfect mediator according to God's own standards, and also as the one who was promised from the beginning of the world. Jesus Christ is the only one who has fully atoned for all our sins. There is a mediator. That was the message of Lord's Day 6. Now comes another important question. How am I connected to this mediator? How do I as an individual and how do we as a people come to share in the saving work of Christ? Where is the tie that binds us and Christ together? This is a very important matter. The fact that there is a savior or a mediator does not automatically mean that he is my savior. There is a mediator, one mediator between God and men. But now I must be in some way connected to that mediator. If that connection is not there, I am not saved by him. Well, there can then be only one connection that truly binds us to Christ, and that is faith. Faith is the only means by which we are related to Christ and so reconciled to the Father in heaven. In order to be saved by Christ, we must believe in him. The promises of the gospel and of the covenant are not for everybody, but only for believers and their children. This is clear from the Holy Bible, and it must be a living faith, a true faith which binds us to our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what this Lord's Day is all about. I summarize it as follows. The confession that true faith is the only means to be saved by Christ, the perfect mediator. We shall see the necessity of true faith, the activity of true faith, and the contents of true faith. So first, the necessity of true faith. It lies in the line of modern thinking to pretend that all people will meet with a happy end. Many people feel that if there is such a thing as salvation, it should be given to all people without distinction. The first question of this Lord's Day, 
Are all men then saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? Is for many a rhetorical question, and they would answer, of course. If we all fall in Adam, we all rise in Christ. This is the teaching of universal atonement. The idea is that all people will be saved, regardless of faith and the fruits of faith. In the end, we'll all make it. People speak this way not because this is what it says in the Bible, but because it just seems more fair to them. It is a matter of feeling and of solidarity. If all fall, all rise. Others do not dare to go so far as to say that all people will be saved indiscriminately. But they do say that everyone can be saved, if only they want to be saved. Christ paid for the sins of all people, and now it is up to every individual to decide whether he will make use of it or not. You understand, perhaps, that we are here under the influence of Armenianism, which also basically means that all people can rise in Christ as they fell in Adam. Now this first question and answer does not deal so much with the question whether all people are saved or not. The real issue of this Lord's Day is that only true believers are saved by Christ. This Lord's Day speaks about faith and establishes in the first place that faith is necessary to be saved. The point of the first question and answer is that to be saved, one needs true faith. Let us establish this clearly from the Word of God. One of the references given under the first question and answer is the famous text from John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in Christ. And in verse 18 of that same chapter we read, He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already. And in verse 36, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. The Catechism gives us these and other references to prove that faith is necessary for salvation. If you don't believe in Christ, you are not saved by Him. This means, sadly enough, that many people will not be saved. For example, there are those who have never heard of Christ. As the Bible says in Romans 10 verse 14, And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have never heard? There are also those who have heard, but who refuse to believe the gospel. They too are not saved, for faith is necessary for salvation. That is the unmitigated biblical truth. It is only through faith that a living bond begins to exist between Christ Jesus and us. The Catechism puts it this way, By true faith we are engrafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. This grafting is a biblical expression borrowed from Romans 11. The idea is very simple. Branches are grafted into a tree and grow into that tree to become a part of it. These branches receive life-giving substances through that tree and they begin to bring forth fruits. And so we have been grafted into Christ by faith. God took us 
and connected us for or cemented us to Christ. We share in his life and in his work of salvation. This grafting by faith is the work of the Lord God. We do not graft ourselves, but God binds us to Christ by giving us true faith. This faith, we read later, the Holy Spirit works in my heart through the gospel. The point now is that God does the grafting, the cementing, and to this end, he gives faith. The entire activity begins with God, not with us. <clears throat> Yet there is, there is with us a sincere response. Faith is not a dead substance in us, but it is a renewing power. It regenerates us so that we accept all Christ's benefits. We from our side joyfully receive the gifts of Christ through that same faith by which God grafted us into Christ. It is God who binds us to Christ by faith, and we respond by accepting the gifts of Christ by that same faith. And so we understand that only through faith is there a living connection and communion between Christ and us. There is no interaction between Christ and an unbeliever. This faith is necessary for salvation. Those who have it receive from Christ forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Those who do not have it are already condemned, as Christ himself said. Faith makes all the difference. A believer lives for the Lord and serves him every day. An unbeliever lives for himself and serves this world. The two are miles apart. The one is an heir to the glory of heaven, the other destined for the agony of hell. For God has decided in his sovereign wisdom that only, <clears throat> that only true believers will be saved in Christ. We understand then that true faith is a very important matter, a vital matter for every human being. For it means the difference between heaven and hell, between salvation or damnation. Therefore it is necessary to look at the activity of faith. See exactly what that is. To see exactly what it is for. That is our second point. What is true faith? Asked the catechism. This is a very decisive, decisive question. Many people are not really sure what faith is. For them it is a bit of a vague feeling about God. They think there is a God but they don't rightly know who he is or what he does. The Catechism speaks of true faith. True faith simply means genuine faith, the real thing. There is obviously also a false faith, which on the surface may look like faith, but is at the bottom not real or genuine. The Bible is very clear about the point that not all faith is true faith. Think of the parable of the sower and the seeds in Matthew 12. Some have a superficial faith, and they cannot withstand the tribulations and trials. They fall away when tested. <clears throat> Others have a weak face, faith, for they succumb to the cares of the world and the delight of riches. This life and this world, with all that it has to offer, is more important to them in the end than Christ. His church and the kingdom of heaven. 
True believers never exchange the eternal gifts of Christ for the temporary treasures of the world. But false believers ultimately give their heart to the world. Let us be aware of this. True faith is a living and lasting faith which first seeks Christ and his righteousness. A true believer is a committed person who does not lose his sense of priority. What then is this true faith? The Catechism speaks of it in terms of being both a sure knowledge and a firm confidence. True faith is firm and sure. It is the opposite of doubt. Believers do not waver or wonder about in uncertainty. They know for sure, and their confidence is firm. The first activity of faith is one of knowledge. The Catechism speaks of a sure knowledge. A believer knows something for sure. What does he know for sure? I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word, says the Catechism. The believer says, I know for sure that God's word is true. Faith is always a scriptural faith based on the Bible, directed to the word of God. Faith is not to accept what people tell you, even if these people are office bearers. Faith is rather to accept what God tells you in his word. Faith is to accept the word only because it is God who said it. The believer says, I know that all that God has revealed in the Bible is true. With the believer, there is no doubt as to any part of Scripture. He says, I believe the entire word of God from cover to cover, as containing the truth of God concerning all things. Yes, the word is sure and true. And the message of the Bible is, we remember that Jesus Christ is the one Savior, the only mediator between God and man. The believer accepts this positively with his entire heart. Jesus Christ is the Savior given of God. This is the heart of our knowledge and of our faith. The second activity of faith is one of trusting, a firm confidence. I trust that all that is revealed in the Bible is true for me. The knowledge reaches out to the promises of the word and believes that it is true. The confidence draws it in. It is true for me. Jesus is not just the Savior, but he is my Savior. That is the ultimate statement of the believer. Jesus has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation also to me. Also to me, not only to others, but also to me. I too am a child of God in Christ. I do not deserve it, and I did not earn it, but he in his grace, for Christ's sake, did not pass me by. Also to me he gave forgiveness and life. In this I trust every day. If I did not believe this, I would have perished in my tears and strife. But faith is a firm confidence. The hope of faith shall not deceive us. The Savior's words are true and sure. And so one thing becomes clear. A true believer seeks the word. The Catechism says, This faith the Holy Spirit works in my heart by the gospel. The believer does not have this faith of himself, but of the Spirit by the gospel, 
And so he will always seek the word. He will seek the gospel, seek the church where the word is faithfully preached. Believers are to be found in the church. Believers must know themselves duty-bound to be living members of the true, that is, faithful church of Christ. For there Christ is truly preached according to the scriptures, and that is where they belong. Therefore, we uphold in our confession, Article 28 of the Belgic Confession, that everyone is called to join the true church wheresoever God has established it. A true believer who has a living bond with Christ must now also seek the communion of the church that is faithful to the word. Those engrafted into Christ by true faith must now also be living members of his church on earth. When do you think when you think of believers, you indeed think of the gathering of the church of Christ by the preaching of the gospel. You think of the administration of the holy sacraments and of the exercising of church discipline, of the communion of saints. That is where Christ is. That is where believers can be found. Unbelievers will not last in the righteous congregation. They do not feel at home there. They'd rather be somewhere else where they can live their sinful lives. But the believers gather joyfully together and they say that here in the church is the source of our life. Together they confess the rich contents of the Christian faith. We come now to the last point, the contents of faith. There is still one matter left in this Lord's Day. What then must a Christian believe? This is not a question anymore about the act or activity of faith, but about the contents of faith. Must we believe a lot or a little? Is there a maximum amount and a minimum amount? Some churches, for example, say that the clergy, the office bearers, must believe more than the laity, the members. Actually, they suggest people do not have to believe very much. Just do what the church tells you, and you're okay. But the catechism says that we must believe all that is promised in the gospel. All. That is about as broad as you can get it, is it not? There is no reduction here whatsoever. There is no addition either, as some have done by coming up with non-biblical doctrines which were made mandatory. This is the typical work of the false church or the sects. We are to accept the total package of God's covenant promises as given in his word, nothing more, nothing less. And just to make sure that there is no misunderstanding here, we should realize that the word promised does not mean to imply that we must believe only the promises and that we may forget about other matters in God's word. The meaning is not that you must believe only the promise of salvation while disregarding matters of history or geography as reported in the Bible. The catechism is not suggesting that at all, for that would be a promoting of scripture criticism. Instead, the catechism is saying that we must believe the whole word of God, the entire gospel, with all its rich promises. Do not reduce it to a few promises, but see how the Lord unfolds for us in the Bible 
the history of redemption, the story of our salvation and renewal. It may never be reduced, but it can be summarized. And the Catechism directs us to the oldest known Christian confession. We must believe everything which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted faith teach us in a summary. A summary does not mean that you need only believe the summary. It is not so that the Apostles' Creed is all that we must believe. Some want us to go toward the view that we are bound only to the Apostles' Creed and not the other Reformed confessions. But the churches have also adopted other, more elaborate confessions. These two are all binding for all members. A summary is a brief and basic statement and not an exclusive document. A summary only directs us to the Word of God from which we learn more. The church has long ago summarized the faith in certain articles. For the faith is Catholic. That is, it is the faith of true believers from all times and places. This is the Catholic faith which has been confessed for centuries. It is the Catholic faith which was by God's grace rediscovered and maintained in the Great Reformation. And the faith is undoubted. The church does not doubt it. Faith and doubt do not mix. There are doubters and even scoffers, but they are not true believers. What must we believe today in our time? Not anything more than the Catholic Church has believed ever since the days of Christ and the Apostles. Nothing more than the Scriptures. We can summarize it in a few articles or in a broader declaration of faith, but it all comes down to the same faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, Jude 3. The faith that has at its very core and center the message that we have been granted forgiveness of sins and eternal life out of mere grace for Christ's sake. It is the faith in Christ, the perfect Savior, which begins to transform all of joy into joyful service to God. This faith is necessary for salvation. Do you have this faith? Do you live out of it? Is your knowledge sure and your confidence firm? Do you say with the Holy Catholic Christian Church, Yes, I believe with all my heart. If you have this faith, it will become more and more visible. For believers are known by their works, by the fruits of faith. One thing I have desired of God as favor, that I may always in His temple dwell. To serve God now and in the promised land is the highest joy of all believers. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.